So we went in Genesis 12 from an unconditional covenant to the Genesis 15 extension, which was conditional that if anybody did not keep the covenant, then somebody would have to die. The death penalty position with the flaying open of the animals. And then it says in Scripture that 400 years later, we see the fulfillment of this. Well, when was that 400 years later? Or, like the writer Paul to the Galatians, 430 years. Well, what's the discrepancy of 30 years, you may ask? You see, 400 years after that covenant of flaying between the pieces, at Passover, we had our redemption. So whatever we're doing at Passover connects ultimately, we hope, we pray back to where? Genesis 15? No. We pray that somehow we can connect back to that unconditional covenant of Genesis 12. But we understand that to get to Genesis 12, to that unconditional covenant, then somebody has to die And we know that that was the perfect lamb of Yahuwah who paid the death penalty position at the Passover, therefore satisfying that position of Genesis 15, enabling us to connect back to the promise. And you may wonder, what is that 30-year discrepancy? It's very important that we understand that in this day and age, specifically with some things that were going around here last night that you can talk to me in private about if you'd like to know. What's the 430 years? Yet in the Torah, it says 400 years. Was Israel in slavery for 400 years? Were they in slavery for 430 years? No. In fact, if you do the genealogical count from Exodus chapter 6, I believe you'll find that they were in slavery for only 210 years. So what's going on? It was 400 years from that promise in Genesis 15 until they got their redemption and they were at the mountain in Exodus 19. But the tribe of Ephraim, they were impatient. They were Zionists, kind of. And they decided that they wanted to head back to the land and leave Egypt early. They were impatient They went with their carnality instead of waiting on Yahuwah and they got slaughtered out in the wilderness. The book of Yasher records. That's the 430 references to those that are carnal, looking for the kingdom of men, that do not wait for their redemption from Mashiach, the Lamb, and they go about in their own flesh trying to set up their own ways, their own kingdoms, and they will leave early... And they'll end up dying in the nations. So we don't want that. We understand that we are the chosen priesthood, the called out nation, and it happened at Passover. It's the marriage ordination. Passover is the covenant confirming meal. We sit down together and we have a common meal. We really actually do have common union together. And how often do we have communion? Once a year, as often as you would celebrate the Passover. So this truly is communion. Once a year, not 
what goes on in the traditional institutionalized church, which comes from somewhere else in Rome down by the Tiber River. So we can find that we know that this Passover, the the Lamb of Yahweh, was truly a substitute for a substitute, right? Because that substitute in Exodus 12, that physical lamb, that body and that blood was ultimately pointing to Yahushua. And we know that that bread and wine that we're going to partake of today truly is the real meat, is it not? And Yahushua took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his Talmudim, his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and he gave Hodu thanks and he gave it to them saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my dam, my blood. The blood of the Brit Hadashah, the new, the new covenant, which is shed for the many for the remission of sins. But we know back in the Torah that Yahuwah said thus, Israel, Israel, my firstborn son, let him go so he can worship me. So Israel was what? Positionally, Yahuwah's firstborn son. Yet, because of transgression, there was a later replacement of the firstborn son for the tribe of Levi, right? Replace the firstborn. So if we're going to get back to the original, Yahweh's perfect will, then we need to be restored as the what? The firstborn, which would also mean that there would be a transference of priesthood, would it not? You see, this is the life and the realm of scriptural reality that we are all now accustomed to, which is foreign to those in the nations or the institutionalized church, because this is the meat. This is the true meat of the Passover. Not a thimble and a cracker, but it is so much more. In Shemot, Exodus chapter 12, we find that this is the only Malkitzedic Passover in the entire Bible. Exodus chapter 12 is the only Malkitzedic Passover in the entire Bible except, of course, for the Passover of Yahushua when he officiates as the Malkitzedic high priest initiating and ratifying the Malkitzedic new covenant as Jeremiah prophesied in the 31st chapter. So Malkitzedic is first made known to us In Bereshit, Genesis chapter 14, Hebrews chapter 7 verse 3 reveals that the Malkitzedic order is eternal. Israel, we know, broke the book of the covenant and they lost their Malkitzedic standing and they were placed under the Levitical or the Aaronic priesthood. They lost their firstborn status and it was given to the sons of Aaron. And at that time, the Levitical priesthood reigned under the book of the law until Yahushua comes at Passover and restores the Malkitzedic priesthood. He ratifies the Malkitzedic new covenant at his death, at this Passover, the crucifixion, and then Yahushua being freed from the book of the law by his death becomes our Malkitzedic high priest. You couldn't make this up. 
even if you wanted to. I mean, it's everywhere. And it is, like I said last night, the veins of Scripture. It just the pumping throughout. But Passover does not actually begin, as we have been led to believe, in Exodus Shemot chapter 12. It began before then. Let's go to Bereshit, Genesis chapter 15, verse 13. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs. And they shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. So 400 years from this promise, they are going to find their redemption. In the 16th verse, it says, But in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again. So we know that there is this timing of redemption. And ultimately, it leads to Yahusha. And we know at that Passover supper, just the way that Yahusha was dressed, that there was something more than just bread and wine going on. Because Yahusha wore his high priestly garment at the last Passover supper, showing us that it was also a liturgical worship service at which Yahusha officiates at this new covenant. He's the high priest and he ratifies at this Moedim, this feast of Yahuwah, he ratifies the Passover covenant confirming meal. Yahusha wears this same garment at his crucifixion, demonstrating that he was acting as the new covenant high priest officiating over his own sacrifice, his own offering. This is amazing stuff because we're told that if we come into this Passover, the first thing that we have to do, we have to cross over. We have got to leave the world and we have to cross over. It says in Corinthia Olive, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 25. After the same manner, he also took the Kiddush cup. After he had eaten, saying, This cup of Gelulah is the Brit Hadashah in my darn blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the question you have to ask yourselves is how often would you drink the Passover cup? And when you answer that question, then you have to go, well, what's this counterfeit that has crept into the church for 2,000 years? And then if you look at history, you connect that and you have to discard one and you have to embrace the other. Are you willing to put away the counterfeit and embrace the truth? Or will you cling on to the counterfeit because that's what the goats are doing? You see, this is a time of separation. And that is what is so hard for people. Tradition just tugs at people's heartstrings because tradition brings security. Stepping out in faith brings what? Transformation and change. And we don't like change. And people are afraid to be transformed. But if we are transformed by the word, then we are secure, right? It's amazing. Corinthia Olive, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7, it is written, Clean out, therefore, the old chametz, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened. For even Moshiach, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. 
So let us keep the moed. So right here, the Apostle Paul, St. Paul, is clearly instructing you in the New Testament what? So let us keep the feast. It's right there. It says nothing about anything pagan, but it says, So, if you're in Messiah, you need to keep the feast of Passover. How do we deal with this verse? We skip over it. We're not going to, but the institutionalized religions for so many years do. But we take the time in the word and we go not with the old chamats, neither with the chamats of malice, the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened matzah of sincerity and truth. And we know that Rav Shaliak Sha'ul, the Apostle Paul, he said, be crucified with Moshiach. It's not possible that you can be crucified with Moshiach unless you go to Passover, because at Passover, that's where you would get to eat his flesh and drink his blood. It's all connected to this day. Passover is a watch night supper, and it's not intended to mimic or to duplicate exactly the Exodus 12 encounter, but it's supposed to memorialize it. And it says, this cup of gelulah is the Brit Hadashah in my dam, my blood. This is the covenant confirming blood, the blood ratifying cup that we partake of in this ordination. So really, Passover, we're going to discover, is an induction into the Malkitzedic order. It's an induction into the Malkitzedic order. Let's look at a few of the prerequisites for joining the Malkitzedic priesthood as the bride. Number one, obedience is the first requirement. Obedience to what? The traditions of men? No, that is the chametz. That's the leaven. Got to get rid of the leaven. It's obedience to the commandments of Yahuwah. And people will accuse you and accuse me of legalism. No, legalism is when you make your opinion my burden. That's legalism. Obedience is keeping the commandments of Yahuwah. You see, if you change the language, you control the conversation. So when you tell me that I have to come to church on Wednesday night and that I have to have crackers and bread on Sunday to be holy, you are making your opinion my burden. Actually, that's legalism. But when I can go to the Word and say this is the holy commandments of Yahuwah, that's called obedience. You see? But if you change the language, you can control the conversation and you can make slaves of men. But this is about becoming free. Freedom in the word of Yahuwah. The first prerequisite is obedience. That's the first requirement found in Exodus 19.5. We agree to the proposal. Yahuwah proposes. We accept. There is a blood ratification and a covenant confirming meal. This is the Malkitzedic Passover. There is immersion, a setting apart, receiving of the Ruach HaKodesh as he equips us to serve and obey. We become cleansed the inside out, as Yahushua said, clean the inside of the cup because we agree to obey in this marriage covenant. We are now part of the bride. Passover is that induction to the Malkit Zedek order. 
but we don't have to do the crumbly cracker. We don't have to do the crumbly cracker because as we look into the word and we see bread, are you and I really to believe that the bread symbol adopted by Yahusha at the Last Supper was this matzah crumbly cracker that just disintegrates? Is that really what we're to believe that represents his body? If you follow tradition, yes, but if you look into the word, you'll see no. So let's look, before we partake of them, of the elements of Passover, beginning with bread. In all of the accounts of the Passover, in the Brit Hadashah, this Greek word pops up, and it's artos, artos, and it means food or bread, showbread, food, loaf, meat, victuals, bread as in a raised loaf, or to lift, or to take up, or to raise. It contains yeast, a sourdough starter, but it is not fully risen, leavened. Because it would take about 50 days to make a new sourdough lump back in the ancient world. Once they'd eaten all of the leaven, it would take them about 50 days to go and get that sourdough lump again. And how many days is it from Passover to Shavuot? 50 days to be that transformed person, right? We have the counting of the Omer. Isn't that amazing? So the bread... If you look at it and you look at Yahusha, the bread has to have all of the ingredients within itself so that it can raise up. But if you don't believe that Yahusha is the Messiah and you don't believe in the resurrection, and remember there were many different sects that didn't believe, then you can create this dry cracker that doesn't have the ingredients within itself ever to raise itself up. But we have to understand whatever bread we partake of, it needs all of the ingredients within itself to raise itself up. Except it's pulled out of the oven early that it is unleavened. Timing is everything. Timing is everything. The related Hebrew words to this Greek word artos are dagan, chala, of course, lechem, matzah, and pot. We find that Yahusha took the artos bread, he blessed it, and he passed it to the Talmudim. Leavened, there's other related words in the Tanakh. We find Leaven, this Greek word zume, which means to ferment, leaven, to cause to ferment or to be soured. And now you can understand, when you tie this all together, why Yahusha's body was offered right before he was about to be raised up. Why was his body offered the soured, fermented wine? Because his body was going to be eventually raised up, not within 50 days, but it was going to expedite it within three days. 
He had all the ingredients within himself to be raised up, even though he was the Passover bread and the Passover lamb and the Passover wine. But they weren't going to wait 50 days, so they added the zume, the pungent zume, the fermenting, because within three days he would be raised. You start to see the connections here. It's all within the bread, and it's not a dried matzah cracker which can never be raised, ever, because it doesn't have the, the, the ingredients within itself. So, and we also know that Yahushua, at the Last Supper, the Passover meal, he passed around a sop, a sop at his last Passover, that Passover meal. The bread was sopped. You try sopping a crumbly cracker, it would disintegrate. We've tried it before. But we need to have a bread that you can sop passing around and dipping it, and it is a sop. It will not disintegrate. So looking through the church or the rabbinic prism, we've assumed that it meant a dried crumbly cracker because of traditions. But we know that Yahushua's body represents more than that. Yochanan, John 6, 9, we find that there's five loaves of barley and two fishes. In verse 11, he blessed the loaves and gave them to the shlechim, the apostles, to distribute amongst the multitudes. The bread there is artos. It represents the word, his body, he gave to the disciples to feed his sheep with. He is called, we know, the bread of life. Lechem Chaim, the whole chapter of John right there, John chapter 6, speaks of artos, artos bread, that has all the ingredients within itself to be raised up, not a cracker that can never be raised up. That's why the soured mixture was given to Yahushua as he was crucified, signifying the added ingredient needed for a three days and three night raising up of the lump, because we're not going to wait 50. That's Shavuot. This is amazing stuff. In sum... As we partake momentarily, the bread we eat at Passover contains a sourdough starter that hasn't yet risen, and you can sop with it. So this has all the ingredients within itself. It's a sourdough starter, yet it was pulled from the oven early, therefore it is unleavened. Think about it. In Shemot, Exodus, they didn't just all sit around and say, hey, let's make unleavened bread tonight before we leave Egypt. (laughs) Did they? (laughs) They didn't. They were making bread, regular bread, but they made it was called the bread of haste. It had all of the ingredients that they were using. And in the ancient world, you can look into Egyptology and you can look into the ancient tombs of the pharaohs. And there is sourdough starters that is still used today that we use in our bread. That was what they made, but they pulled them out of the ovens because they had to leave in haste. It's right before our eyes, but tradition weighs so heavy on us, doesn't it, that it sends us down all these rabbi trails. 
So we eat the bread and we drink his blood. And the Passover accounts show that the Mashiach took the bread, the Artos, breaking it, his broken body, his word, and he distributes it to the disciples. He imbues us with his word. 1 Corinthians 10, 16, it says, The bread we break, is it not a sharing in the body of Messiah? Verse 17, because there is one bread, who are we? Who are many are one body, for we are all to partake of the one bread. We as Malkitzedic priests are told to go to all nations and teach the covenant whatever I have commanded you. We're to take the word, which is the instructions or the bread of Melchizedek, and we're to go and distribute that bread to others. This is the Melchizedek calling. It's an appointment to teach all things that I have commanded you. It really is the blood covenantal work. And now we get to look at the Kiddush, the wine, the cup of blessing. Of course, this is the third cup of the Passover, which represents Moshiach's blood, which was shed. The fruit of the vine, fermented, harvested in the fall, preserved through fermentation. He will drink no more of this wine, this Kiddush, until we are with him in the kingdom, which is at the marriage supper of the Lamb, which is another covenant-confirming meal, is it not? And then, what is often missed, which is of utmost importance, is what? The foot washing. Now, was this something that Yahushua just decided to add in the Brit Hadashah, or does it have its origins in the Malkitzedic covenant? Of course, it has its origins in the Malkitzedic Covenant. Bereshit, Genesis chapter 18, verse 1. Turn with me, if you will. Bereshit, Genesis 18, 1. And Yahuwah appeared to him in the plains of Mamre. And Avram sat at the tent door in the heat of the day. And Avraham lifted up his eyes and looked and see three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them at the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. And Avraham said, Yahuwah, if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not leave your Eved. Please let a little Maim be taken and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. This is the foot washing that connects to Bereshit 15, that connects again to Bereshit Genesis chapter 12. In fact, we can look at this whole area of Scripture from about Genesis 12 all the way through to Genesis 18, and we're going to see that it happened at Passover. Let's investigate. Genesis 17, 21, which again connects to Genesis 15 and therefore Genesis 12, takes place at a moed. Genesis 17, 21, it says a moed. What moed? The household of the patriarch Avraham was preparing, 18, 6, ugar, the Hebrew word ugar, flat unleavened cakes, ugar. Then, in Genesis 18, verse 18, we see that confirmed with, at the Moed, I will return. 
the Moed, I will return. It must be Passover. Even Lot knows what's going on. Lot knows of the timing because we see in chapter 19, verse 3, he makes the two Malachim matzah. Matzah, it says in the Hebrew. Right there in Genesis 19.3. And finally in Genesis chapter 21 verse 2. At the same moed a year later than 17.21. Sarah gives birth to Isaac at Passover. This proves that Passover is originally a Malchizedek ceremony. It's a ceremony of ordination. It always has been. The Malkitzedic covenant confirming meal, bread, wine, and foot washing to take part in what? The covenants of promise, Genesis 12 and Genesis 15. It's all right there. It's not something that Yahushua just decided to add in the Brit Hadashah. It is going back to the origins of the covenants of promise, which is why we're all here today. We want to go back to the covenants of promise. Foot washing wasn't added by Yahushua at his last Malkitzedic Passover. It's an inclusion and always has been the original way to partake of Passover. Part and parcel, it is the inauguration of the Malkitzedic New Covenant with the bread and the wine, Genesis 14, making Yahushua's last Passover an ongoing yearly covenant-confirming meal. And that's what we're doing. Every year we are having this covenant-confirming meal with one another, complete with foot washing. Do this in remembrance of me. Had they remembered the Genesis 18 was under the Malkitzedic priesthood? They hadn't. They'd forgotten. It was only later that Shimon Kepha, Peter, made the connection. When in 1 Peter 2 verse 9 he says, Oh yes, royal, kingly, a Malkitzedic priesthood. And Apollos 2 in Hebrews 7.12 tells us that there is a transference, a change back to the original priesthood. Because at Passover is where we regain our firstborn status, which was taken at the sin of the golden calf. Are you making the connections? It's extremely powerful what we're doing here at Passover. The only way we can have any part of the priesthood of Yahushua, the Malkitzedic high priest, just like Shimon Kepher, is through this Passover. Foot washing is the connection through Exodus 12 back to Genesis 15. It's the covenant and that covenant confirming meal that included foot washing that ties it all together today with this ordination. Yahushua had to fulfill everything to be that perfect spotless lamb of Yahweh, both from the Torah and through the Brit Hadashah, to be that perfect sacrifice and our covenant Goel kinsman redeemer, the one that pays the death penalty position of Genesis 15. I'll finish up with a couple of scriptures. Yochanan, John 13, verse 4. He riseth up from supper and laid aside his garments, and he took a towel, and he girded himself. 
After that, he poureth water in a basin, and he began to wash the Talmudim's feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh unto him Shimon Kiefer, Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him, Master, dost thou wash my feet? And look what Yahusha says. Yahusha answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Kepha said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. And Yahusha answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Why? Because then you can't be a part of the priesthood. You'll have no part of me. Foot washing is the ordination into the Malkitzelic priesthood. Without it, you have no part of it. It's connected to Passover. Do you see that right there? It's amazing. Shimon Kepha said unto him, Master, not only my feet, but also my hands, my head, everything. <laughs> the lights came on. He's just, just get me wet. I do not want to be left outside. Yochanan thirteen forty seven. After the disciples had ate the bread and drank the wine, they were ready and allowed to enter into the priesthood. And now Moshiach washes the feet, ordaining the Malkitzedic priests as they enter in. And we know that that first Malkitzedic encounter was with Avraham, who was offered bread and wine by Malkitzedic. Further symbolism of us being that chosen ordained priesthood. And all of these elements are what bring us together here at the Passover. Isn't that amazing? It is so, so special. Right now what we're going to do is have a calling for the light of the menorah. Possibly. Yes, we are. We are going to have the lighting of the menorah. Mm-hmm. All right. Blessed art thou, Yahuwah our... to be raised up, yet is not raised at this point. Thank you. And if you're doing this at home, please take this time to light a menorah. Make sure it's only got seven stems. We don't want any Hanukkahs.
And the commandment is that he has commanded us to be a light unto the nations. Take this time to break your bread at home. Take this time to prepare the Kiddush. This truly is a common union. A common union together. Hold on to that bread until you get your kiddush, and we'll do a congregational blessing with you here and with you at home. This is just a time as you hold that bread of reflection that we are at the Pesach. This is so powerful. We have been commanded to do this. This isn't legalism. This isn't my opinion becoming your burden. This is freedom from the traditions and dogma of men to be that royal chosen priesthood, returning back to that firstborn status that you were called from before the womb. Hold on to your bread and then we will distribute the Kiddush. Okay, if um, we're going to distribute the fermented wine, so if you don't want fermented wine, just um, decline and then we'll bring the grape juice. And then then mama's like, no, 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 no. I'm not getting involved. I'm not getting involved. We're not at the Baptist um, conference here, you know. (laughs) The children want fermented wine once a year. You're going for it then. Why not?
connecting with millions and millions of saints right now. This has been done for thousands of years. Through all kinds of trials, through all kinds of tribulations. And as we've been learning in the book of Hebrews, you are surrounded right now by a cloud, a multitude, a lot of clouds of witnesses that are testifying to what we are doing. We are not alone. We are in the company of Malachim, angels. We are connecting with the righteous saints that have gone before us. And they right now are rejoicing, rejoicing. The writer of the book of Hebrews tells us that we are not alone. Judah, I was with you. I mean, where's dad? Right there in the back? Dad didn't do anything. Moshe grasped him up.
Shem Yahweh. Let's stand together as we partake in this common union, as we connect with so many that have gone before us, and as we connect together in this Mount Kitzedek Passover. Truly, this is so powerful. We thank you, Abba Yahweh, that we have been like lost sheep. You have brought us into the fold. That you have taught us, Abba. We have erred and we have strayed, but Abba, now we come back. And Abba, you have revealed your priesthood. You have really, truly restored the Passover to this house, to this people, to this family. That Abba, we now ask that you would accept us as Kohanim, priests, after the order of Malkitzedek, that Abba, we are now restored back into that firstborn status. Because as we now break this bread, we recognize that this is the body of Yahusha that paid the death penalty position for us. That now we can connect back, Abba, into your perfect will. Baruch Atah, Yahuwah Eloheinu, Melech HaOlam, Lamotzi Lechem Min Haaretz. Blessed art thou, Yahuwah our Elohim, King of the universe, who brings forth the bread from the earth. Amen. And we partake of the bread. Yahushua truly is a sweet aroma to us, is he not? He smells like that showbread, that artos. We recognize by his shed blood that he initiated the new covenant that now restores us after paying that death penalty position, now restores us back to the covenants of promise, and we partake of his blood. Baruch Atah, Yahuwah Eloheinu, Melech HaOlam, Borei Prey Chagafen. Blessed art thou, Yahuwah Elohim, King of the universe, who brings forth the fruit of the vine. Amen. Amen. And we partake together. What we're going to do now for our audience online is we're going to commence and begin the foot washing and we will return with our live stream shortly with a closing ceremony. So if you're at home, 
take your loved one and now commence the foot washing. What we're going to ask here is that, obviously, married couples and families wash one another's feet. If you are single, then men wash men's feet, please, and women wash women's feet. If you are single, please, men wash men's feet, and women wash women's feet, unless you are with your family as a married with children or grandchildren. Barukata, Yahweh Eloheinu, Melech Ha'alom, Asher Kadishnu Bar Mitzvatov, Vitzivanu Al Mitzvat Mikvaot. Blessed art thou, Yahweh our Elohim, King of the universe, who has sanctified us by thy commandments and commanded us concerning ritual washings. Amen. Amen.
Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah, hallelujah. Welcome back. If you guys could all um, take a seat, take a seat, take a seat, and let's, um, let's just take a few moments, Selah, Selah, to pause and to reflect on the significance of this day in our families, in what Yahweh is doing in all of our lives. It truly is such a privilege and such an honor to be called into this household of faith. And it's such a strange strange reality to think that there are millions upon millions of people that have no concept what it feels to be where we're at right now. Living in the world, living for the world, and dying in the world. Yet we have these times of intimacy to strengthen us, to always remember that we are called and a chosen royal priesthood and that we take the steps that we need to serve a mighty, mighty Elohim, the Redeemer, the one that brings forth the blessings into the households to multiple, multiple generations. Yahuwah, Yahuwah Elohim, merciful gracious and long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, who extends mercy to thousands, forgiver of iniquity, transgression and sin, who by no means clears the guilty, but visits the sins of the fathers upon the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Yahuwah, if we have found Rachamin, mercy in your sight, Abba, we ask for your poured out Ruach HaKodesh upon the congregation of the Zadik, the righteous right now. You are the Redeemer. You are the Restorer. And you have brought us into covenant. That those of you that have made that commitment to walk out this anointing and this authority of the priesthood, in the power of Yahusha HaMashiach and under his high priesthood as a fellow Kohen with you all standing here I send you out I send you out into the nations to share this bread to share this body and this message that you are the vessel that Yahuwah has chosen in this generation to be that salt, to be that light in a world that is dying and perishing. I charge you to go out as Kohanim, priests, after the order of Melchizedek, into your families, into your workplace, into the community, and start to share that bread 
that bread that you have partaken of. And when you feel dirtied and clouded by the world, then you go to the rivers of mikvah and immerse and be refreshed. And by the washing of his word, you strengthen yourself so that you can go back and you can do the word, that you can share his great name, Yahuwah, Yahusha, to the nations, that we would share this message in this time, in this generation. Don't look to previous generations. This is your charge for this generation. And you will have a multitude of witnesses that are looking at you all. Not to judge you, but to encourage you and to strengthen you. May you be blessed. Yevarechacha Yahuwah vayishmarecha. Yeyer Yahuwah panavelecha vechonecha. Yesa Yahuwah panavelecha vayasim lecha lecha shalom. May Yahuwah bless you and keep you. May Yahuwah make his face to shine upon you. May Yahuwah lift up his countenance upon you and grant you shalom. Bashem Yahusha, sa shalom. Amen. Amen. Amen.